Today, I'm personally speaking, we welcome back filmmaker Paul Santoli. Please stay with us. Welcome to Personally Speaking. I'm your host, Monsignor Jim Lasanti, and filmmaker Paul Santoli joins me now. Paul is a producer, writer, actor, and director from Massapequa, Long Island, New York. We first had Paul on Personally Speaking in 2016. His production company, Donut Productions, is a sketch comedy channel on YouTube, and he's written and acted in more than 40 comedic videos. Recently, Paul wrote, stars in, and directed his first feature film. It's called Because of Mika which is available on Amazon Prime. Paul is here with us in the studio to talk today about his life, his family, his faith, and his passion for performing and the creative arts. Joining me now, I'm so pleased to welcome back to Personally Speaking, filmmaker Paul Santoli. Before we go to our interview with Paul Santoli, let's listen to and watch a clip from his film, Because of Mika. Yo, yo, what's up? Dude, the dog is dead. You killed it. No, no, it's already dead. Gino is just an average kid. Who sold pizzas, weed, and ignored his past to get by. Yeah, I don't have an answer yet. But his life soon gets turned upside down when he finds a dog with one small issue. Dude, there's no dog. What are you talking about? There is no Mika, psycho. She's dead. She died. What? It's a spirit. Yeah, I don't follow. I told her I found your dog, and she told me your dog is dead. So I took a picture of the dog with my phone, and nothing came up because the dog is dead. Now, no one can see this dead dog, and I'm freaking out, man. Uh, how many edibles did you eat? Danny, I'm not hot. She's saying something about a dog. Yeah, I'm being followed by a dead dog, so... Heard that. Now he must figure out what on earth is going <laughs> on. <laughs> Don't call the cops. I know you think I'm crazy, but I got it all figured out. I just need the dog tag. Where is that thing? A 516 production presents... All right, baby, big moment. Paul Santoli in. You. Me meeting you here. It's all because. Because of Mika. Welcome to Personally Speaking. I'm your host, Monsignor Chomasanti. Paul Santoli is my guest today. We're going to talk about a lot of things, but one of the things I want to talk about is a film that he both produced and directed and wrote and stars in. But before we do that, Paul, this week I got to do a, uh, first of all, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me. I did a uh, funeral on Wednesday, Thursday, at St. Patrick's Cathedral for Phil Cordero, and I went to grammar school with Phil. I mention that because he was a regular kid in grammar school, high school, and yet he became ultimately the president of Warner Brothers Music, president of Virgin Records, president of EMI, and he said one time, isn't it amazing, this country, that a kid from West Hempstead, Long Island, can achieve almost whatever he wants to? Um, you've now come out with a, a film that looked impossible for someone coming from Long Island with not a whole lot of backing, but you made it happen. So I just got to ask, growing up, have you always believed that with enough determination, enough hard work, enough creativity, you can accomplish anything? No. no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, honestly, I got to give credit to my mom. Like, um, She just taught me so much about Jesus and having faith and uh, taking the jumps and everything will be all right. And 
keeping me calm through it. And, and uh, yeah, my goal with this movie was just to make one tangible movie start to finish that made sense. Right. And, and honestly, like, yeah, I mean, the miracles we had on set and it, we had a lot of people reach out and try to make something it just were so helpful and mm-hmm. turned out to be a great project. And I'm speechless at the amount of people that contributed, you know. Some background. When I met Paul, he was working at a pizzeria in town. I still am. And when he <laughs> when he told me about his dream to be a creative artist and to make movies and act, I thought that's a nice idea for a kid from the Massapequa <laughs> area. But you know, let's be realistic. Um, is it achievable that anyone who works hard enough can find their way to their dream? Yeah. 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 Not just you. No. It's not some special charism that you have. No, it's. Um... It's funny, like when I was little, I used to lay bricks with my dad in the construction company. And I was just telling people throughout the movie, like, if we keep laying the bricks, eventually there'll be a house. And uh, turned out there was 80,000 more bricks than I thought. (laughs) (laughs) And and, um, yeah, I just stayed consistent with it and kept going and constantly was getting re-humbled at the next thing I had to do. Or, you know, there was certain skills that I had to learn where if people fell through, I had to confidently accept that I could learn these skills to accomplish what I had to do. And, and um, yeah, I mean, I, I think one of the biggest things too, is like I had a whiteboard as silly as it sounds. And I wrote down every day, 10 things I had to do. If I really wanted to get the movie done, I, I'd accomplish eight or 10 or four or two. And um, once the 10 was gone, there was a new 10 and okay. then there was a new 10 and then there was a hundred and then, the, you know, Paul Santoli's, I guess, Paul, a uh, name for our lo- viewers and listeners, the name of the film, so they can all see it. It's because of Mika. Because my, of Mika. Yeah, and B- Mika is my dog, and she's retired <laughs> yeah. now, so yeah. she's a one and done. Don't don't believe that Mika is some girl is in love with it, so yeah. Mika is a dog. Yeah. Mika is a dog. Now, let's go back, because you introduced it early on, Paul. Um, this family you come from, family of origin, describe it. How many people in the family? What kind of folks were they? uh seven i had two brothers two sisters i was the youngest of five um yeah we were christians and um you know old school italians you know we had the the good fellas bringing up with the sternos and the trays and the cousins i didn't know and all that (laughs) and and um yeah i mean we just hard-working disciplined people and okay and and along the path uh you, you talk about your mother's faith but your mom and you have had some interesting and really difficult challenges in terms of loss of family members do you remember what you thought at the time and how did you get through it i think that god taught me at a young age that it's not that i think a lot of people think that people don't care when a tragedy happens but everybody's gonna go through it and um i I was so i think i understood the responsibility that I'm blessed that not not in an egotistical way, but some people look up to me that I've gone through the experiences mm-hmm. and I can help them through the experiences. And I'm happy to do that also. So I think I was given that responsibility at a young age, you know, to kind of mature earlier than I wanted to. Yeah. Uh, for those who don't know Paul's background, two of his brothers are in heaven, his dad's in heaven. When that happens and people you love pass on, any inclination to bitterness, angry, why doesn't God give us a happy ending? So I used to get angry. Um, and then, you know, based on how the world's been the last five years, I think anyone that goes is, you know, it's not the worst thing in the world. <laughs> but um, no, I just, I know I'll see them again. And I've, I've seen them in my dreams. My mm-hmm. mom's seen them in their dreams. And, and you know, that, that's why, like, 
believing in heaven and, and knowing that this world is for me, like it's a temporary platform where I'm just trying to do the mm -hmm. right thing and pass the test and learn, hum learn my lessons and do the best I could do, leave some things behind, like because of Mika and, and yeah. Uh, yeah, I'll see them at the end of the race. I don't know when that is. And, but Paul uh, is originally, as I mentioned from Long Island and he's working here and living here. And then he decides to go to Los Angeles to get his creative art career going. But mom is on this side. When you're the surviving son, how much pressure or guilt is there to stay where you are, take care of the family, put your dreams aside, and, and just plant yourself where you grew up? A lot. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think that, you know, I always felt guilt that I missed time with my dog and my family and my sisters. So whenever I'm home, I try to be home and spend as much time with them as I can. And I think that something that helped me is you know, I drove there in 2019 with a friend when we first went out there. So to see how far Los Angeles is from mass people, like really put me into perspective that when I'm here, don't waste any time and make the most of it and capitalize on your opportunities and, and you know, roll my dice as much as I can. Cause I was so blessed. Right. I, I always had a place to come home to, but um, I don't feel guilt because I'm just trying to floor it while I'm out there. Mm -hmm. Like just much as, you know, why do you have to be there? Is it possible to have a creative arts career in film from New York? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the next movie on my bucket list, I just got to shoot one in Hollywood. <laughs> I, there's, there's, I wrote a comedy for Hollywood. It's like a weekend of Bernie's and, and okay, it has to be out there. Um, but I just wrote a lacrosse movie with, uh, he was a production assistant, Steve, um, because of Mika. And we just finished that at home in New York. So it can be done in New York city. There's things that could be done, but um mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I like L.A. with the weather and stuff. Uh, yeah, what's well, 26 like. degrees yesterday? It was terrible. <laughs> Paul Santoli is our guest. Paul, as I said, has directed and has written and has produced and has starred. And i got to ask you, when I look up uh, the making of movies, I'm always stunned by what it costs to make a movie. So i got to ask you, since you didn't go out there as a multimillionaire and you had to in some way find a way to fund this, how much money does it take to make a movie and how in the world do you find the money? So my strategy um, was to fundraise as much as I could. And then once I saw that slowing down, I didn't want to eat. I didn't want that to eat into rent payments. So I just tried to, um, I think it's Tony Robbins that said, be resourceful mm -hmm. as you can. So I just, you know, tried to make, tried to really go back and see what favors I could pull, okay. you know, with the amount of money I had, but yeah, this whole million, two million, three million thing, like a lot of young filmmakers are like, you know, I want a mill to shoot my first movie <laughs> and I wish them the best and I hope they get it, but I don't know if I'll get that on my third one. Like, right. Right. So I just tried to be smart with the money, make the most of what I could and um, try to make sure the blueprint of the script. I was telling Lisa that we just watched uh, the driver yesterday, mm -hmm. Ryan O'Neill. Right. And, you know, it shot handheld, but like the racing scene was the coolest thing I've ever seen in my life. And that okay. movie is 1978. So I think a lot of people put pressure on the quality of the movie versus the quality of the story. Right. So like I was a big fan of Seinfeld growing up and mm -hmm. I know that some of the lighting setups were fairly simple. Like, I don't know how much they spent on the show, but I just know that they stayed grounded with the story and the jokes and made sure it was funny. And if you do that you'll probably be forgiven if the camera's a little shaky. Paul Santelli has, before this uh, feature-length movie, done short films as well. 
I mentioned that because I wonder whether the short films or the long film, because of Mika, do you read criticism? Do you go online to find out what people think? How important is it? I'm thinking of our guest last week was Michael Yuri, who's starring in Spamalot on Broadway. Oh, nice. and, uh, and he said he purposely does not read reviews because he said, if they're critical, it may make me insecure. And if they're positive, I might believe my press. So what do you do right. with criticism? Um, I haven't really gotten any, okay. um, not in a bad way. I don't think I'm at that point. Um, okay. But I just know what I had to do to make that movie. So unless someone steps in my shoes and does that, I won't really get offend like offended. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Like, can you handle criticism? Yeah, I mean, there's a book called The Four Agreements, and one of them is don't take anything personally. And mm -hmm. if someone's lashing out at me, unless I met them and punched them in the face, I don't know. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. So like even Joe Coy yesterday just got crushed because he. Um, did the golden globes and he did a terrible job, but right. I think he's a phenomenal comedian and you know, he had 10 days to do that and he didn't do well. And some of the jokes were messed up. So it's like, right. I think critics are dying to turn on you. So I know one day, you yeah. know, I'll do something where, and every, I think it's just, uh, you think you can. And if it's constructive where someone gives you an idea that might benefit you, then you should listen. Right. I'm, I'm flattered when people do, and they really sincerely try to help me. Like even on this set, I wasn't trying to direct, produce, act and all that. Like I was just simply doing that because we didn't have the budget to hire a director, to hire an assistant director. Like, so anyone that was teaching me things in the middle of it, I was glad that they were doing a little more than they had to. And, and everyone on this movie set did a little more than they had to. That's one of the biggest reasons why this movie got made. Like I, I took on like a lot of responsibilities, but you know, our script supervisor, Regina, she was making the call sheets. Like, Becky would taught me how to produce and was finalizing the contracts for me. And, you know, everyone was doing so much more. So one of the great expenses in uh, any art form is paying the dog, pay, paying the dog, <laughs> but is the work is working with unions. Did you have to work with unions? So I didn't because it, at the time with the COVID test, it would have cost me like 30 grand to be testing everyone regularly. Wow. So uh, I didn't. And also they, PETA called me hmm. and they wanted me like they were worried about the dog right so, sure, because you're so abusive yeah yeah so they, they you know they call me oh, we're just wondering like what's going on on set and I go the thing eats better than I do I left them a voicemail I never got back to me but like Mika was eating better than me I mean <laughs> tell I us mean, about I want to know about Mika where did you find Mika whose dog is Mika and uh, and how do you work with a dog so Mika is um out of everyone in the family right now, Stephanie is the favorite. Like she comes home and it's like she came home from the military, even if she goes and gets the mail, which is great. I come off a plane and then she greets Michelle and skips me. <laughs> um, loves my mom too. But yeah, I'm, I'm in last place on the favorite chart. She wouldn't work unless Michelle was there. Okay. So the church scene outside, Michelle was playing tennis. We needed a simple shot. Mika crosses the street, goes into the church. I chase her. I walked Mika through it. I explained it to her. Steve was holding the bread simple she i know she knows like if mika was watching this i'd be like i know you knew mika nine takes in a row crosses the street jogs to the my sister's car and just stares at the door like she wants to go home wow and then michelle finally shows up and on the first take she crushes it so mika is a family dog yeah mika's my yeah and how dog. old is mika she is 10 now she was eight on set is she demanding a new contract uh no <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, she's uh, she's retired though. Shout okay, out to this her is her she got another job though, which was ridiculous. 
And this could insult any number of people. Would you rather direct a dog or a person? I mean, Miko's, you know, easy going. <laughs> uh, honestly, Mika was, uh, she was giving me a hard time sometimes. Like, I knew she knew, but finding the strategy on, like, how to keep her calm. Like, I thought the biggest thing was set everything up, bring her in, let her do a scene, and bring her home. But then we found that, like, bringing her in the beginning of the day and letting her settle into what's going on was mm. more common and she wouldn't get like anxiety like if you just bring her in even though the shots were simple i needed her to jump on a couch and eat a treat like it wasn't like okay tom cruise is gonna go mika and then you're gonna go <laughs> it's paul santoli yeah <laughs> so um yeah i mean she was overall calm and a couple treats away from yeah okay she was the, good she did a, she did a really good job our listeners and watchers who are hearing paul santoli talk about because of mika we'll come back to this several times but if folks say i'd like to see this kid's movie he sounds interesting the movie sounds interesting um first of all give us a short synopsis of what the movie's about and then importantly how do people who are listening and watching see mika cool so the movie is on amazon prime okay and um it's about a Long Island Italian American who's delivering pizzas and Jeez. selling weed. He's in his twenties. He's a little lost. He finds a stray dog, and the dog's a ghost. He's the only one that could see it, so he has to figure out what is going on. Okay, I like that particular thing. And uh, for folks, you know, I think all sorts of ages watch a program like ours. But for people who might not know what Amazon Prime is, what is it? And how do they get it? Uh, it's a streaming service. I think most people have it on their smart TVs, but you okay. could probably go to Prime Video on the internet and rent mm -hmm. like that. And I got to ask you, when you found out that Amazon was picking up your movie, how happy did that make you, Paul? So it was an awesome moment because my mom was watching TV next to me and they don't email you saying like you got in or you didn't. Like I submitted it four weeks prior and um, I was watching some football and then I Googled every... 10 minutes I Google because of Mika and it finally said like available on prime. And I go, ma, and she, what? And I'm like, in the remote. So <laughs> I searched that and, you know, she started crying. And so to have, to be in a moment where my mom watched this movie get on there and then Mika was there and then Michelle was there. So yeah, it was a very, very cool. uh, yeah, it was a very relaxing. It, it, everyone says like, you should be so proud of yourself, but I'm just extremely relieved. Yeah. Cause I was an arrogant Calling out my three point before I hit it kind of kid. And right. I, you know, humbled because you learn that it's on God's time. And I thought this movie was going to come out half a year earlier. And no matter what you pray, it's on it God's comes, time. Comes, yeah. So yeah. some years ago, actually 1975, long before Paul Santoli happened, I had the privilege of uh, showing the film. It's a wonderful life with the film director, Frank Capra seeing it. He hadn't seen it in 30 years with an audience. And he said it was an entirely different experience to have people there and see them react to his movie. You've not only released it on Amazon Prime, but you also have shown it in movie theaters. Yeah, we had two screenings. What's it like to sit there and see people's reaction? Are they laughing at the right parts? Are they enjoying it like you want them to? What was the reaction of the audience and how do you handle it? Oh, well, a lot of them booed. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, the first time when my friends came to the Belmore one, I didn't go watch it just because I've seen the thing like 90 times. Mm -hmm. But to sit and hear people laugh at, um, you know, my buddy Sterling, the train conductor, like that joke really hit. And just to see the things on paper come to life, like that was a cool experience for me. Okay. Like um, there was one joke that, you know, I remember being in this small apartment writing with the kid Cooper and 
you know, I knew when we wrote that joke that when it came, when it was in the movie, it was going to hit and be the funniest point in the movie. And it was. So like to have that moment was a really cool moment for me. Okay. Let's go back. What do you do next in terms of uh, supporting yourself? Actor, producer, director, how do you live? Uh, you just work as hard as you can and you keep going and you stay optimistic and stay healthy and you pray and follow God. All right. That's not a bad thing. You know, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to like that. And growing up in terms of creative people that you would have admired, personal, uh, not heroes, but people you wanted to emulate would include who? Jim Carrey, really? Robin Williams. Okay. Jim Carrey. Um, He's crazy though, right? Yeah. I mean, maybe now. Creative crazy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, don't, I, I mean, I, I never met the guy. I want to, I don't know. Um, maybe for your next picture. Yeah. 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 Uh, Robin Williams. Okay. Was phenomenal. Brilliant. Yeah. Um, Shia LaBeouf's young career, uh, mm -hmm. his come up was crazy. Uh, Miles Teller looks like a really cool dude and does really good work. Mm -hmm. um, Marlon Brando is the reason I started taking acting classes because it's his documentary, Listen to Me, wow. Marlon. I remember I watched that and then six months later, like I was so blessed that my mom pushed me to be an actor. Mm -hmm. And like, she's even telling me to go do stand up again. Like most parents, when you tell them you want to be a performer, they're like, okay you know yeah right and That's... then like there's a little more whiskey in the coffee like <laughs> okay my son thinks he's you know yeah. yeah as an avocation something to work through that's fine but as a career what parent would want the indefiniteness of an artistic career there's no steady paycheck there's no promise that you're going to be successful it's a real leap of faith and she was behind you on that oh it still is yeah i mean and so so were my sisters and so were my friends at home and everyone in town i had i had a lot of people back me up where like you know even I, I really have to humbly say i don't i didn't get much criticism or negative lash and i i've been more pushed to continue than you know not even the guy at the diner Val, um valentino like he gave me the diner off a whim and then you know, I got to go back and tell him that the movie came out. And he's like, that's dope, bro. Like, when's the next one? And wow. that's a that's a cool moment because, like, you know, that's a big restaurant. He gave me a chance on it. We were in there on a Monday. And then I got to go back to the guy and say, like, we pulled it off. And, you know, when's the next one? Like, now, mm -hmm. now that's what I've been getting lately. Like, when's the second movie? When's the third movie? So, you know, there's there's pressure, but there's really no pressure. And I'm just trying to, you know, do the right thing and make sure my work, you know, represents God and has good messages and mm -hmm. is entertaining people. And I think as long as I follow that right. guideline, you know, wherever I'm supposed to go, I'll go. Paul Santoli is our guest. His film is because of Mika. And I hope our listeners and viewers will listen and watch the film. But before I do that, I wanted to ask you, um, one of the guests we had on not too long ago, two of them actually were politicians. One was Vice President Pence and the other was uh, Senator Josh Hawley. Both of them addressed the issue of temptation. Uh, and I asked why they were able to raise families that stayed intact. Uh, why weren't they tempted by the power and the sex and the money and everything in Washington, D.C.? And they both said we made promises to our families that at the end of the day, we would go home, that we'd have dinner with our families, that we'd pray together, that we'd uh, we'd uh, tell stories to each other, you know, do normal things, even though there were all these temptations around. That's just Washington, D.C., I have to presume that living in Los Angeles, a major city, a lot of young people, a lot of attraction, a lot of temptation, whether it's drugs, alcohol, partying, dating the wrong people. What does Paul Santoli do to be anchored in values that matter? I have a really good circle of people around me that don't make the wrong 
decisions either. And we all take pride in being, you know, we all take pride in being in each other's corners. And mm -hmm. um, I think one thing that was ironic was, you know, the bad guy in the movie, Derek Zujic. Um, that was actually where I was living when I first moved out there. He's one of the first guys I met. And he kind of like, you know, the whole opening scene that's, you know, my brother Daniel, my brother Gabriel, like really tight with those kids and Derek. And um, we all lived together in Culver City, but Derek really pushed the Bible on us. And he gave me a rundown of what Los Angeles is. And we all stuck together and we yeah. all, you know, we, we prayed and we all stayed healthy and we all had each other's backs. So, you know, we all took pride in making sure we all stood tall and did the right thing because, mm -hmm. you know, we knew that's what we had to do. And we were God's soldiers and we still are. And um, I've just seen stories of people falling when they make, you know, the wrong mistake. And yeah, there's total temptation out there. Totally. True, true. Um, but you know, I, with, I, with support, you can make it through. I yeah, yeah, yeah. And, all, and also faith in God. I just know that God is with me and mm -hmm. and I can't do the wrong thing with this. Okay. And I won't. I want to, in the last moments of our time with Paul Santilli, before he wings back to the other coast, uh, again, my listeners and my watchers, would you tell them, please, uh, how do they find Because of Mika? Okay, because Amika is on Amazon Prime, where you can rent and buy it, and my Instagram is at Paul Santoli, where uh, you can see some behind the scenes about it and some of the cast and crew that talk about it. And good, I want to thank Paul Santoli for being with us and yeah. personally speaking. It's the second time he's been with us. We were with him uh, before the dream came true of producing and directing and starring in his first uh, full-length film, which is Because of Mika. I hope you'll support his creative vision by watching it on Amazon Prime. And I got to ask you for us old timers, is it ever going to come out on DVD? Uh, I think that's. I know. Yeah, that's, <laughs> something down the road. I'm not, I'm not going to say no to it. I did look into it. Yeah. Um, you know, that'd be a bucket list thing to have that thing at Target or something. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, soonish. Soonish. We we had a um, we had an actor on. And I I said at the end of our interview, you know, we give everybody a a CD copy that they can take home of the interview, and he said to me, young actor that he was, like you. What's a CD? So oh, it's a different world. The yeah, streaming, streaming world is, is uh, in. I mean, getting people to the theater was a <laughs> pain in the leg. So uh, I'm very, very happy when someone like Paul has a dream and makes it happen because of the uh, belief he has in God and family and the friends around them. I hope we'll see much, much more Paul Santoli as both actor, producer, writer, creative man. Most importantly, uh, he doesn't take all the credit for what's happened in producing his first serious lengthy film. He, he gives a lot of credit to the friends, family, and God who have made him who he is. And I'm so thankful to him for that. Paul Santelli, thanks for being with us. Hey, thanks again. Who's better than you? Next, <laughs> see you next week. <laughs> I want to thank you for being with us and personally speaking. If you need to reach me for any reason, you can write me at personallyspeakingpodcast at gmail.com. You probably listen to this program on the Catholic Channel, Channel 129. You can also watch us on YouTube at Personally Speaking with Monsignor Jim Santi. Uh, we're also on Facebook at Personally Speaking with Monsignor Jim Santi, as well as Instagram at Personally Speaking Podcast. I'm privileged to serve as host and executive producer, Personally Speaking. Our producer is Lisa Jandovitz. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll be with you again next time on Personally Speaking.